Hi, I'm Susan Moore, Community Engagement Manager with IIBA. And I'm Scott Bennett, Manager of Business Analysis with the International Institute of Business Analysis. And this is Business Analysis Live. Our topic today is why use observation? So observation is a technique used in business analysis and can be used in other professions as well. We're going to talk through how to use that skill, some pros and cons, and share a few stories with you today. That's right. Um, I I feel like observation is one of those techniques that we take for granted. We probably do it a whole lot. And we don't think about that this is really an official technique. It is the way that we learn and that we ask questions. It can form the way that we interview people. So, yeah, let's let's dive into that because I think it is one of the, as I say, unsung heroes of those 50 techniques. So let's start with a story just to get everyone oriented as to what observation is. Um, I've worked all my career in the financial services industry, and I was working for a large bank at one point in the commercial banking area for a number of years, and I understood that. I transferred over to a small business banking unit in the IT department, and I needed to understand what our frontline staff were experiencing because we were in charge of the software that would provide them functionality. So I talked to a director and said, hey, I'd love to get into a branch, would love to do some observation and some job shadowing. So I got connected with uh, this wonderful lady who was an account manager in a branch, and I got to sit with her for a full morning in her office. And I said to her, I really just want to observe and understand what you do in your daily job so I can have a better appreciation for that and bring that back to the team. But it was a really good experience. So she went through making her regular morning calls to her customers. She was printing a report on her computer. I got to ask her some questions as we went through. So I came in knowing nothing about small business. And within three hours, I started to get an idea of what's a day in the life of an account manager. What's really important to the users? And, and I also built that relationship in a way that I could reach out to her in the future. So that's an idea of how observation works. It's looking at someone and how they're working so that you can pick up things that you wouldn't necessarily get from a conversation with someone. You ask someone, what do you do? They're going to make it brief. You watch them what they're doing. You're going to learn a fair bit. Yeah. And job shadowing is something that I think all of us, if we have ever been employees, regardless of if, of whether we've been a business analyst, if you've been an employee, you have job shadowed someone, you have had to learn a particular part of your job by watching someone. So you've done this before. So know that. Um, know that you have done this before. You've participated in it. And um and it is a really good source of information. B- before we got started today, Scott and I were talking a little bit, thinking back in our own uh, professional careers, how we've used observation. I I started as a technical writer, so I spent a lot of time watching people using different systems. But then I also spent time doing product implementations for a mainframe platform and having to learn what people were doing Um, So that I could understand not just what they were doing, but the data that they were using. Inevitably, they had checklists or matrices or something off to the side that they used to supplement their knowledge to get information in. Um, But sometimes you also learn about rules, policies, uh, maybe little hacks off to the side that people use in order to do their job. So it can be 
a rich source of information that you get about a current state of things. Yeah, and I really like that what you mentioned about hacks, Susan, because it is, you know, you can have the most wonderful process mapped out, you can have the best policies, the best procedures, but people figure out more efficiently how to do things. So you could have an outdated policy or procedure or something that wasn't documented the best way by observing, you're going to pick up on some of those cues of, oh, what was that that you did there? And, and you know, potentially get some efficiencies that you can share uh, across the organization. And note to self, that could potentially, if you don't know about that, that could end up as a gap in your requirements. Um, that could be a missing requirement that you did not know about because you didn't know about that hack. So it really is, um, again, it's an unsung hero because there's so much information that you can get when you watch someone. So um, now I know that we also talked about observation having some challenges. And so maybe we want to talk a little bit about those challenges because there are there are, are good times to use observation, but but just know observation can come with um, with a couple of challenges. Here's one that I have experienced. Um, so because I worked in product implementations and I would have to go sit usually with the frontline staff that was performing those tasks very often the fact that the consultant had just shown up to, to watch them work, it created anxiety. It created a concern right. of, are you going to automate my job? Am I going to be out of a job? And so, you know, this is one of those areas where you really have to have, uh, you need to understand the purpose of why you're doing that of uh, observation. You need to set up observation appropriately so people know what it is that you're doing and why you're there. But then you also need to have a sense of self-awareness and an, an understanding that you are probably causing someone <laughs> some anxiety and they might they might not be going through those same steps. So so just know that your presence could um, it, it could be, you know, held with a little bit of suspicion. That's one of the challenges I've I've had. Yeah, and probably the simple, ex simplest experience people might have with that is when someone's watching you type, you always make mistakes. <laughs> Very common, right? You just fumble a little bit. Um, but yeah, there, there is some risk that what you're observing might not be the true um, processes going through. You know, there was one interesting experience I had uh, when I worked at Capital One. We got to sit behind one of those two-way mirrors. Ooh, those are creepy. Marketing focus group. <laughs> So there was a facilitator in the room talking to actual customers, asking some questions, what they thought about it. And it was, there were a dozen of us sitting in this dark room behind glass and we we're all rapidly making notes about what we were hearing because the conversation in itself had so much richness to it for us um, around what we were hearing about the products and how people were using them. Um, so it was a, a neat experience of observation in a more formal setting um, that you were literally concealed from the people that you were watching. You know, as you were saying that, um, I, I'm reminded that sometimes observation can be combined with other techniques. So mm -hmm. in my experience, I've done, I've done observation, but I've combined, I've combined that with interviewing. Um, if I was doing a more active observation, I might ask questions along the way. You just gave an example where you were observing, but there was a focus group happening. So I think that's a, you know, sometimes we often think about our techniques being one and done, but this is a good example of where we're doing several things 
at once. Yeah, yeah, so. that's right. So some some tools that can help people out learn more about observation um, in the body of knowledge, the business analysis body of knowledge, the Babot Guide. Um, if you have a physical copy, it looks like this. Um, you can certainly look at it, um, page 305. Uh, but there's also an online version. So members have access to what we have, uh, a Knowledge Hub is what we call it. And I'm just going to share on the screen here. This is what Knowledge Hub looks like. Um, so you've got different ways you can navigate it. I just put in a search for observation. And here are the first two results that come up. Um, observation here is what's coming up in the Babok Guide. So it gives you all that information. Uh, you've got other um, sections of the Babok Guide. So this is strictly an electronic version of it. But the other thing that comes up in the search result is an observation steps example. So augmented information that you won't get in the printed form. And this is an example of what this looks like. And this was something, Susan, that um, one of our volunteers had put together. Is that right? That's right. So big shout out to Gaurav Joshi, because I know that you've contributed other stuff. So if you're listening, thank you. This is an example of how our community contributes to the knowledge that we've got in our Babot Guide and in so many other resources that we have. So thank you. So I hope you find that helpful for those of you who are members. Um, a quick few keystrokes, you can get to this type of information. Yeah. Now, Susan, we also talked about there are some skills that you mm. need to be able to pull this off, right? That's um, right. What are some of those skills that you've used that have helped you with observation? Well, since I am the, you know, the emotional intelligence uh <laughs> I feel like that's that's my skill that I use the most of. I think things like emotional intelligence and self-awareness can can really help. Communication is a big one here. It, in both the verbal communication, the written communication, obviously the nonverbal, when you are watching something, you've got to use all of your senses. Um, I'm also a dancer outside of this, and so I learned choreography. I use observation as part of that. And I, when I think about the skills that I have to use, I've got to, I've got to, you know, listen actively. Um, I've got to be able to uh, watch what someone is doing and be able to probably well, I don't do this in dance, but take some notes, whether they're mental notes or whatever. Um, so you are really using a lot of your senses when you are observing something. Yeah. Yeah. A few of the skills that I think about are the the planning skills, mm -hmm. um, the BA planning skills. And what are those things that you need to do to set this up, get it arranged? Um, what are the, how are you going to set the expectations when you do the observation? Um, sort of get that person to feel comfortable with you being there. Um, you know, you're not there to replace the job would be a, a typical concern. Oh, why is someone watching my work? Um, but also that what you said as well, that, that communication just being clear. Mm -hmm. um, so planning, I think, is a key part of that, making sure you're going to get the outcome that you're looking for. Yeah, I just I wrote down the outputs of observation because that you are observing is not the end state that you're going for. You really are learning. Again, I I, I talk about business analyst professionals. We're we're learners. That we're like professional learners. That's really what you're wanting to do. So there may be notes. There may be 
something, you know, some kind of an output that you are putting together so that you can use it in the next stage of whatever that project is. And that definitely requires planning and organization, knowing what you're going to see and how you are going to produce those results are also really important to observation because you don't want that, that good learning to go to waste um, once you've got it. Yeah, uh, sure. yeah. So, you know what? We have tons of questions today. That's great. And for those of you who are live with us today, we're certainly taking your questions. We'll, we'll get to those. Uh, for those of you who are listening on either YouTube or on our podcast, um, you can send us some suggestions at live at IIBA.org if you've got topic suggestions or perhaps if you want to be on the show. That's right. We always love guests. We've, um, we've had some folks reach out and um, we've, we have learned right along with you guys. So that's always uh, exciting. All righty. Well, Let's take this, this first question here. Um, so this is from Paul Cash. While working on integration requirements, observation plays the major role because it gives information from the data that you need to pick up. Uh, oh, integration is, is absolutely one of those areas where sometimes it's not enough to just read documentation or other things. Supplementing that with uh, observation, I think, is a, is a, a great add-on. <laughs> great add-on yeah, technique. For sure. Yeah, great comment. Let's see. Here's the, the next one we've got here. I've been in product development. I'd like to know how a service or consulting environment can change the BA's role. This might have come because I was talking about being the, a consultant. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think about this question? How did you I, I think it's interesting. So if you look at you're not a BA within an organization, you're a third party coming in. There are pros and cons to that. Um, I think... Uh, an unconscious, not, you don't have that level of trust potentially when you come in as an outsider is one thing. So that might be a disadvantage, but I think there's also a number of advantages to bringing an outside person in. Um, they might not have preconceived notions about how things work. They might be able to have different experiences that can lend to better analysis uh, versus people that are working internally with um, some practices they've matured over, over a period of time. Um, so I don't think there's a, a right or wrong. Um, I think there are pros and cons. And as long as you're familiar with the potential pros and cons and you can manage those, I think you're going to be successful either way. You are reminding me that one of one of the things I encountered in that product implementation role was I was an outsider coming into many of these organizations. And I often found that people I, uh, that I was working with or observing often shared with me other things that helped us in in our engagement. And I think that was because first, I think that we did a good job of explaining why, why we were there and that we were there, you know, in part to implement a, this new product, but also that as part of that, we were looking to improve some processes. And so I think people, some people took that as an opportunity to share additional ideas that they had, which is fantastic. So, yeah. Thank you for that question. Let's see, here we go. Next next question, observation is useful, but sometimes there are variables that can cause the user to deviate from the typical workflow. Yep, and those deviations can be critical to understand. Yeah, I think that whether it's performance anxiety or you know whatever, you're, you're correct. They might not do some things that they normally do or they might do extra stuff. 
Yeah, and let's talk about Patty's comment a little bit more because there are ways that you can mitigate that. So obviously when people are being watched, they might behave slightly differently. Now, if you've got, say for example, six different people performing the same role, if you were to observe multiple people, you might get closer to a consistent realistic um, because different people are going to react emotionally different ways. Um, but yes, definitely need to make sure that you're aware that you might not be seeing exactly what normally happens. This is where I think um, using some of that emotional intelligence and some interviewing skills can be really helpful. I know sometimes we think of interviewing as just a way to uncover information, but you can also use interviewing as a way to build trust. And in those instances where I have walked in and somebody has not trusted my intentions, I just like to take a step back for a second and just talk to them. Talk to them about what they do, how long they've been there, the kinds of work that they do. Start to have a little more social interaction and um, and build a little bit of trust. That can help um, yeah. when we transition over to doing that thing because now we're we're talking maybe more like colleagues instead of consultant and and employee. So again, merge those techniques. Also use your strengths here. Um, for how you might uh, how you might mitigate uh, any of those kinds of uh, concerns. Absolutely, and, and Susan, that's definitely one of your strengths, your relationship building skills. Um, the number of guests that we've had on here that you've got a personal connection with somehow through a conversation. Oh, I used to live there. Oh, that's a school I went to. Um, you're really good at that. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, by the way, I'm going to give. I don't know. Sometimes my dad watches. He is truly the the bet he's like the relationship building og and so i will give him credit that um that's where i think that skill comes from <laughs> thanks dad uh okie doke here's here's our our next one uh from nim how to do observation with less impact on stakeholders and then i'm guessing what you mean is um the anxiety <laughs> um that they might feel what do you think yeah that, that's interesting it's difficult to observe someone without them knowing you're observing them. Um, I had a colleague who was a green belt uh, for um, process engineering, and she was going for a black belt. And one of the exercises that her uh, class went through was to go to a food court and use observation as a skill to look at a certain franchise and see what they're doing from a process perspective, see where the backlogs were, when the lines were getting longer, why was it? Was the cashier operating slow? Was the food not being cooked fast enough? Um, so that's an example of how you can really step back and not really impact what's going on. Um, but it's challenging in an intimate environment where you've got two or three people um, to not really impact the person that's there in some way. But as Susan said, emotional intelligence is key to making that successful. And and I think it's it's setting setting up the observation correctly so that people understand why you're there. Um, that that initial legwork will serve you when you get there and and you're doing that because you're you're right. Unless you are sitting behind that two way glass, there's they're going to know that they're being watched. So, um, so yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, the whole human element of this. So if you think about observation just as a child, 
right? So a, a child is watching their parents, watching other people, and that's how they learn. Um, I'm a YouTuber and I watch YouTube videos and that's how I learn and people learn from me. Um, and that whole observation is, I think, just innate in human beings. Um, the other part that's innate too is you get the sense that someone's watching you. You ever do that? You're sort of sitting somewhere and I get a feeling someone's watching me. Um, so we've, we've got natural instincts around it, um, both ways, positive and negative. Uh, in the Babot Guide, by the way, it, it talks about two different kinds of observation. There's that active observation where we might ask questions along the way. Um, and then there's a passive one where we truly are just an observer, just watching without any kind of interactions. So that also, I think, needs to be part of how you set up the activity. So if you plan on asking questions, say that up front, because it could be disruptive. Talking about those deviations again, if you start asking questions when somebody is not prepared for it, you might end up going into some directions that would not, they wouldn't normally go into, but it's because you're asking questions. So be clear on what your role is going to be in that observation so that they, they understand that. All right, so we've got a question from Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Aaron actually is one of our leaders from the Bluegrass chapter. Yes, and he's um, got certifications. That's right, and he, he's got a lot of certifications. Um, he, he says observation is about learning what the current state is. Uh, I, I agree. And you know what? Here's another one of those challenges, by the way, Scott. I have been on projects because I've worked a lot around platform kind of stuff. I've worked around um, leaders who have said, oh, yeah, well, you don't need to observe what anybody is doing. We're, we're, we're going to have a whole new system, so it's not going to be important. And boy, could that create issues for exactly the reasons that we're talking about, because there's a whole lot of information that might not be uh, available to those leaders or managers that they need to know about. And I'll give you a great example of this. We were, um, we were, we were in-house building a new front-end insurance quoting system, and it was going to attach to our mainframe, <laughs> good old mainframes. And so we were doing a project for our North Carolina auto policies. Now I'm in North Carolina in the United States, and here in North Carolina, you get points whenever if you get tickets like traffic tickets there's a point system that you get and if you get so many points you might get a suspended license or um you know have to go to court or whatever you're not looking to collect these points then uh no th this is not gamifying it it is definitely <laughs> avoiding you want to avoid these points um by driving carefully everyone in north carolina um and so as we were building this new system we um we asked we asked for okay so what how do we calculate these points what are they and the, the person said well we don't you know that's not really important we're just going to do what the current system is today it's all going to be good and you know those spidey senses said maybe we want to do a little bit of observation a little bit of digging into the code to see what was happening and wow we actually informed them of some rules that they didn't know about oh. so we ended up having to fully document those correct them to apply you know to com to conform with state law so that we could then you know fix them um 
and that's that is exactly the reason that I <laughs> I I always say we need to do a current state even when somebody says well we're replacing that system it's not important you really do need to do it because you if that system is old and that particular system was more than 25 years old you really don't know what's in it so. yeah and we talked a little bit earlier about pairing techniques together um prototyping could be another one where you could use observation so it's not really a current state but you build a prototype you bring people in and have them use the prototype and observe mm -hmm. how they're interacting with it are they struggling with it is it easy to use um, so that's another way you could use observation yeah i like this we i don't think we talk enough about combining techniques but definitely uh, this is one of those that you can do that with. So that's a that is a great reminder. So here is a, another another comment from today for automations project. Is it better to do a one to one observation or use a tool like task mining um, where you might look at screen recordings to identify opportunities for automation? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. For automation yeah. project. So when we talk about using different techniques, there's always what it's good for, what it's not good for. Um, this reminds me of surveying versus interviewing. Mm. Surveys you can do very efficiently um, and requires little time and, and you can consolidate uh, results. Interviewing is much more labor intensive. So that's what I think of when I think about this one. Observation might be more labor intensive versus having a tool that can give you, capture the data and then give you some insights. Um, I'm not sure which is better. Um, it might be the standard depends. <laughs> I'm <laughs> right? with you. If, if you've got a, a large team and it's really important to get those details and, and, and some potential additional learnings that you're not expecting, observation might be the right approach. Um, if you've got a small team and you're, you're looking to get through a lot of data, a lot of experiences, uh, perhaps using a tool would be the better approach. I'm also thinking uh, knowing what you might be going after. So a tool that that looks at task mining, so something, you know, with screen recording will just give you the the clicks and the key, you know, the keystrokes that people are doing on that screen. So if you were looking for things like time it takes to do a particular task or other quantifiable things, something like that, might be great for a screen recording way of observing. But yeah. if you're wanting to know where did you get that data from, how are you making the decision to enter that, you probably do have to spend time talking with someone because if those rules aren't automated and that is the purpose of your project, you're going to have to talk with someone about what those rules and policies are in order to get that down. So yeah, it depends, <laughs> but thank you. Alrighty, so let's see next here. Uh, give some clarity of the future state. For example, preparing a sample output file based on current data mapping. Let's see. It, I, I think that that could also be true. In my example of the uh, traffic points, um, you know, it, it was it was kind of giving us what the, the future state needed to be based on. How, what the front end looked like, how all of that got captured was specific to the old system, but I don't know. What do you yeah, think? when I read this one, it, it doesn't to me resonate as observation mm, okay. or of uh, a structured walkthrough or review um, of sort of here's an output that we foresee building, um, give us some feedback. 
Um, so it's more of a, a dialogue of, well, I don't like this or I like that versus an observation would be someone performing a task or, or doing something. Yeah, good point. So, yeah, we sometimes, you know, if you're if you're preparing for any of the certifications, this is one of those things where the, the words matter and the techniques matter. And so sometimes what sounds like one technique might really be something else. So I'm I'm with you. I think this sounds potentially like prototyping and maybe um, what was the other one that I was just thinking of prototyping and review is what it sounds like. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's see. Okay. So this one, I think this one is interesting. Almanzar, do you need spatial skills to, uh, to make observations? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I guess here, here's my thought on this. Now, typically my, my experience with observations have been in an office setting, but I have had, you know, I, I worked for a bit in the energy space and sometimes I would have colleagues that would go on site into a warehouse or to wherever the crew was working and they might observe larger scale tasks being performed. And so potentially spatial skills might have come into play there. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I think it's another depends. Um, mm -hmm. I, I worked for two years in corporate real estate. I led a team of nine people. And part of what I was re responsible for was um, renovations within offices. And so we were doing a president's office. And I remember talking to the president with a layout of the office furniture. This is what your office will look like. And I could see there was a little bit of um, hesitation going on. So I was with my interior designer and I said to her, you mind just drawing an isometric of this furniture because all you're seeing was from the bird's eye view down on the furniture. So she draw, drew a three-dimensional, just a very quick sketch. I mean, this was literally 60 seconds for her to draw this. She turned the piece of paper around and I could see the light bulb go on in the president's mind. Um, not really an observation skill, but it was a spatial skill. Um, mm -hmm. There are some people that are really good at envisioning things and other people that have a very hard time with that. Um, so it's an interesting question. I'm not sure how it applies. It's probably more specific to an industry, as you suggest. All my experience has been in an office environment, too. Yep. Yep. All right. Here we go. Next question. Have any ideas about observation virtually? And, and these days, this is probably how a lot of us are doing some observations. Yeah. Yes, I've done a lot of this. Um, so over the last three years, as I've worked at IIBA, we're all virtual. So Susan and I literally have never met. Um, so we, we've only Crazy. been doing this. But observation, we did an exercise literally last week where we had someone going through and building a component on our website. So our web pages are built with content blocks. And so the, those of us on the team were trying to gain an understanding of that. So our web manager actually went through and built a content block for us on the screen so we could see it. And it was really interesting through the observation, we had a number of questions. And out of that 30 minute exercise we went through, we had uh, three or four different new ideas of how we could solve a problem that we didn't have before. Um, so yes, you can use observation virtually through screen shares. I think, I remember a time when 
sharing somebody's screen was the most painful process ever. Do you remember you would have to, you know, type in an IP and then you'd have to go over here and you'd have to get permission and da, da, da. And it used to be really painful, but now you can share a screen just like that these days. I think that has been incredible. It's been an incredible way to experience someone else's work through your own eyes, because we're all seeing the same desktop. How many times are we looking at somebody else's desktop and we're moving our mouse around, right? That's powerful stuff there. We are into the observation. Um, I think it is, you know, here's where you really have to not just watch, but I think you've got to potentially do some interviewing and, um, and I don't know, maybe there's another skill that, or another technique that you're doing with this. Um, but there's also the ability to to record it so that you can come back to that and, and study it over and over. We're usually live observation. You're just going to get that one that one shot. And so, you know, we think about, hey, can you grab a screenshot of this or can I make a copy of that? Right. Well, in virtual world, if you're recording that interaction, you can re- you can watch the recording and grab your own screenshots. Sure. So in some ways, I think uh, the virtual observations make it a little bit a little bit easier. Yeah. yeah. And in this day and age where all of us have video cameras, especially one that you can disconnect from your laptop. Um, if you are looking to connect with someone across the country um, and observe them working in a physical setting, you can set up a camera to do that type of thing. So I think the technology in the last couple of years has really helped on that front. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's just, there's so many ways now that we can, that we can, present as as much of our reality virtually um i think ever than ever before uh, are we able to do that i think it just takes a little bit of creativity to your point uh what what do you want to watch well if you you know move your camera and you can you can see that as well all right and here's another here's another comment how to overcome that fine line between project management and business analyst roles it seems to overlap in some areas so it's not quite this isn't quite an observation well you know what ironically i think this is an observation but it's not quite like the observation we're talking about today right um i'll give you my two cents as somebody who was raised with project managers And also, I am a BA certified through a project management organization. Um, I do see them as quite distinct. And in organizations, I have found where they are very blended and you can't tell the difference. Um, I, I, I don't think you're getting a, a, an a- actual business analyst role in those organizations. To me, the the difference is the focus of where we are putting our work. Project managers are focused overall on the project, the budget, the delivery of the, you know, to the end day, all of that kind of stuff, the resources and everything that goes into the project. As a business analyst, I am focused on the product, on the thing that we are producing. And that may be just a portion of what that project is all about. Um, I do see sometimes there are some things that we do that are like project management. Business analysis planning is a great example of that. There's a whole knowledge area on that. I feel very strongly about business analysis planning because, one, I spend a lot of time with project managers, but two, I've, I've tended to work on, on projects where business analysis planning was essential for the work that I was doing, um, as opposed to the work that the, that the project manager was doing. So 
if you take a look at the business analysis body of knowledge, and I have my I have my copy too, you will see that they it is it is quite a different experience and quite a different focus than what you might find in the project management body of knowledge. Yeah. What do you think? About yeah, and, and I've worked on a number of large projects, ten million dollar projects, where you've got a professional project manager. Um, I was a BA lead with a number of BAs. Um, in that environment, there's no way that I would see a BA doing project management work. Now, on smaller pieces of work, maybe it's a small initiative, it's going to be two months. Um, maybe a BA could step into that role of project management um, because it's a smaller risk, um, smaller controls needed, that type of thing. Um, I do see them as two separate professions, but there are cases where even today I do a little bit of project management but I would not consider myself a project manager. And I've tried that work. I don't enjoy the work. <laughs> so I'm not a project manager. I, I don't either. And that is that is the reason that I have the BA certification through PMI and not the project management certification. Because when I started going through the boot camp for that, I thought this just doesn't, it doesn't feel like the kinds of problems that I want to solve. Um, I really do enjoy the work of business analysis. And I have, I obviously have done some project management on smaller projects. Again, I think that you do have to have some of those skills, but in no way does it scale to the size of some of the projects I've been on. All righty. We've got another one here. Being a good observer, you need to be a good listener and you need to be an, an active listener. I, I agree. And I'll add another kind of listening in there. We've talked about it. I think we've, we've done a podcast on uh, listening. Um, we talked about empathetic listening. So that's, that is a little bit different from active. So I think of active as you're listening with the um, intent to do something, to take some kind of an action. You're, you're, you know, empathetic is really listening to how something is said, why somebody might be saying it. And I do think you have to, you have to hone that kind of listening as well, because very often when somebody is um, is is being observed they they might tell you things that would that should lead you to asking i wonder why they said that perhaps i should ask a question about well so you've got this checklist that no one knows about well tell me more about this this sounds like it's important and it can open up doors to learning more information that you might not have learned because you are taking it's it's kind of along those same lines scott is like you know that social thing that i was talking about relationship building that yeah. empathetic listening can be a way that you can build those bridges because when you ask people questions like when when they feel heard in that way they will share more information with you yeah very true yeah. all righty yeah. it looks like we are just about at the end of our time okay boy well, let's talk about what we're going to do in our next episode and susan you know someday i hope that we actually get to meet uh, <laughs> rather than do everything virtually but I'm in Toronto, you're North Carolina. We'll have to figure out how to make that happen. That's right. We got to make that happen somehow. All right. Well, um, we speaking of of interviewing, we are having Yulia Kosarenko come back. So we, she was on a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about business analysis, job interview questions. Well, this time, she's going to talk about how, how to hire a business analyst, and we're going to talk about it from the leader side, but. If you are some if you are someone that is actively looking for a business analysis position, I think you're going to want to be there because this will give you some insight into the kinds of things you might be asked. And Yulia is fantastic. And we always love having her. Take care. We'll see you soon. 
This is the end of our live session, but if you've got questions, you can send us an email at live at iiba.org or leave us a voice message and we'll answer your question at one of our upcoming broadcasts. Join us.